Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. think we'd be opening this pod with this statement but when and you are in absolutely crazy but we'll take it hello everybody and welcome back to charge on as always i'm your host sean green and yeah i didn't think so nick didn't think it rob certainly didn't think it after that loss last week we thought there was absolutely no chance I mean, after we went through the scenarios, we said, I mean, we don't think we're going to be ranked with the college football playoff committee. And that's basically the win in your end scenario. We thought we weren't going to be ranked. We'd have to win our game. We'd have to have Houston lose to Tulsa and a bunch of things to happen just to get to the conference title after you should have won out and you should have hosted it. So... To my surprise, to be ranked 22, guys, I mean, all of the stuff I've said about the college football playoff committee, I will take back, and I appreciate them for um, what they did for the Knights on Tuesday night. Um, let me welcome in Nick Geddes. Nick, kind of shocking. I mean, we'll get into USF hate week, uh, but I don't think any U- UCF fan assumed that we would only move two spots. I mean, we moved to 25 in the AP. So I think we all just assumed either you're ranked 25 or you're not ranked to only to be ranked 22 in the CFP poll. I mean, kind of how amazed were you when you saw that on Tuesday night? I'm very amazed. I think like everybody, I I think if you're a, a level headed UCF fan, even you would have to admit that this team after a loss like that at home to Navy three and seven Navy, Probably had no business being ranked. And I said it I said it after Saturday's show. I said this team should not be ranked after this week and nobody should cry about it. Um, the fact that they dropped only two spots, two spots in the rankings, uh, the committee, and, and there's a lot of problems in this in with these rankings and the committee. Uh, I question if they watched the game. And I think they were I think Boo Corrigan was asked about it, and he's like, Well, we have so much respect for what Gus Malzahn has done there and and whatever. And, you know, that's cool and all, but the, to me, the games matter. They, I thought they matter. And uh, just a lot of interesting decisions. I mean, if you're going to, for example, it's like, I don't know how you honor wins and losses for some schools and not for others. Like Louisville has found itself into the top 25. Am I supposed to just forget the loss that UCF had at the beginning of the year at home to Louisville? Am I supposed to forget that? I, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's other schools like South Carolina is not ranked after destroying number five, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, there's a lot wrong with this committee. And I, I truly believe that they, they likely got it wrong here with UCF. But again, though, if you're this team, you're not going to apologize for it. And you have a, you have another lease on life and somehow, some way a eight and three UCF team still controls their destiny. I mean, think about that statement there for a second. I, I, yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And no, I mean, we, listen, the, we pride ourselves here at this, on this podcast of keeping it real, keeping it a hundred. And yeah, I, I, I agreed with you. I didn't think UCF should be ranked. It, it was a game for the taking. They lost it. This team has proven time and time again, they can be great, but they have proved that they are a good football team, but we will get into all that in everything that comes with this week and how crucial it is after a word from our sponsors, Bet Online. As always, guys, basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. 
You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's college football, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. But yes, Nick, this committee is is we it's weird. We talked about it a couple weeks ago when, you know, with some of the rankings that came out. I think it was Rob was on the show and we kind of just said this committee has had problems for years. It is all biased. It is all just what they think during the week. And yeah, if you watch that UCF game, I'm sorry. And and we can and again, we are we are a UCF show, so we are happy that we only moved down two spots and you could say they counted Navy as a quality loss and they counted our wins against Tulane and Cincy as quality wins and you could say I guess the loss to Louisville now wasn't as bad. It was in week 2 and now they're ranked. And you could say all those things. You could say that Coastal Carolina hasn't played a ranked team and UCF has beat two, but I'm sorry, and I'm going to stick up for some group of five teams. Coastal Carolina should be ranked. It's not their fault that um, to get dropped out of a ranking. Um, I think that was poor on the college football playoffs part. I think they should be ranked, and I do agree. I think South Carolina that was a huge win. Now, South Carolina has been up and down this season, um, and they should have been ranked over at least Louisville. So, there are problems, but we are reaping the benefits, Nick. And I'm not going to apologize. This is group of five treatment, and I love it. Um, because, yeah, at the end of the day, this went from the rivalry game to end the series for at least now, and you hope stuff happens, to the biggest game of your season besides your two ranked opponents. I mean, you win, and you go to the conference title, and... Nick, they basically decided that an American team is going to the Cotton Bowl. That's pretty much, in after these past rankings, that's what they decided. So you went out, you go to the Cotton Bowl. How big is that? And, and talk about like the future for UCF going into the Big 12. How big is it that not just us, but team like, like Cincinnati, right? Continuously being ranked even after, like five years ago, UCF loses to Navy in the same spot. They get dropped out of the rankings. They don't see the light of day for weeks. But the fact they only dropped UCF two spots, that's huge. Well, what was it? In 2017, and we're going back five years now, uh, when UCF was was undefeated, 13-0, what were they going into that Auburn game? Like 12, right? I'm trying to think. Um, no, I don't think so. They Maybe were not 12. even. They might have. No, we were 15. I think the highest we got that year was 15. Yeah, I mean, just think about it right there, how in five years, how things have changed. Now, that season, I think, has gone a long way still, and that UCF's been able to build their brand off of that season and the year after that. Uh, I think that's kind of what you're learning here is that brand is strong. And the fact that they have the Big 12, the whole thing coming back, I'm not sure how much that has played a part in it. But I, I just think it's a little bit odd because we're seeing a lot of teams kind of fluctuate in and out of these rankings. But UCF, along with another team I'll throw at you, and totally under, up, opposite end of the spectrum is like a Texas, for example. I feel like Texas, no matter what they do, they'll lose and they'll fall out. The second they get that win back, they're right back in. And it, and I think a lot of that has to do with brand bias. But for whatever reason, UCF has put itself in that thing. And it's like, as a fan, are you, are you really going to question it at this point? Uh, there's been lots of times over the years where you could go after this committee for not having respect at all for the group of five. And you could argue that maybe UCF has earned it at this point. Certainly Cincinnati has earned it coming off a of college football playoff ranking. And even and even Tulane, honestly, who now has two losses and they stick at number 19, I think, which again, am I supposed to, which also like, am I supposed to forget that UCF beat that team on the road two weeks ago? I, I guess I am. Uh, I don't really care about, I don't look as much about that, that number there on the right side of your win loss record. I think head-to-head to me should trump that in all scenarios, but clearly it doesn't. But with that being said, it, it is kind of interesting that they're kind of treating those teams a little bit differently than what's going on in the Sun Belt and some of these other group of five conferences because you can't really explain it for Coastal. But 
with that being said, you still have a chance. You control your destiny. You get into a Cotton Bowl against a big team that's in the Big 12 or the SEC potentially. Again, it's going to be good for your brand making that transition. It's going to be great for recruiting, all those things, the whole the mantra that Gus has been selling here. It's only going to be positive, that's for sure. And I think this is what UCF fans really have to kind of look at the bigger picture. I see a lot after the Navy loss. And again, I understand frustration. And I understand after a game that was, again, we said it was one of, if not the most disappointing losses in recent UCF history. That was what it was. But I saw everybody coming for Gus's head, saying he should be let go. This is ridiculous. I'm sorry. But if this doesn't show you exactly why, and no, it's absolutely ridiculous. If you, this doesn't show you, he's proven why he's your coach of the future. I mean, yes, can you come? On, can we come on the show and say some of the decision making can be suspect? Absolutely, but recruiting, bringing the players you did in the transfer portal, and now this—this this just shows you the respect that. Listen, we didn't get respect for years, and yes, we—you can include the Power Five mantra in it and say, "Hey, UCF is now going to be a Power Five school." You know, and that's that clearly played into it. But the commissioner of the college football playoff specifically said Gus Malzahn's name and said Gus has done a great job with that team. I think Gus has really improved the program nationally. They look at Gus, they respect Gus Malzahn, and he has brought the program to a little bit of a respect factor that just wasn't there five years ago. And that helps you moving forward when I, you go into I was going to say that's conference. a good – yeah, I was going to say that's a really good point is Gus being there uh, at Auburn for eight years and going to a national championship and beating Alabama three times and obviously being on the center stage. He brings a, he brings a legitimacy to your program. There's no doubt about it. And that's why uh, the school that we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, just, just down south here in my neck of the woods – it, they're going through a coaching search right now, and there's a lot of big names being discussed in their coaching search, as I'm sure you've heard. And that's called that's because you want to bring legitimacy to your program. Uh, and and I mean, you go back to that when UCF hired Gus Malzahn. What did every player on this team? Who did they want? They wanted Jeff Levy. In all respect to Jeff Levy, not good for the brand long term. Okay, if if somebody has to do a Wikipedia search on a guy. For the brand, it probably isn't going to help you. I think Gus Malzahn, everything that he had built before this, it 100% probably, clearly, Boo Corrigan said it. We have respect for what Gus Malzahn has done in his career and what he's building at UCF. I mean, he kind of just put it out there for you. Yeah, I think Sockboy mainly wanted Levy. Um, I'm sure a lot of other players, but Sockboy, he Sock was Boy. the main reason. Thank God we didn't <clears> listen to Sockboy. Sockboy was hardcore um, pushing it. Hardcore push, and he was livid when we hired Gus Malzahn, a national championship winning head coach. You know, or he was an offensive coordinator, but he went to a natty. Um, yeah, so we'll get off this topic, but I, I, it's just you don't understand if if UCF fans don't understand how huge this is. I don't know what else to tell you. This is huge for the brand. It's huge in the sense that listen, there was a chance that you beat USF, and you don't see an, a, a conference championship game. You're sitting at home waiting for the military bowl, which is a great bowl, but no disrespect to the military bowl, but it's not at the cotton bowl. So and I might have to you, open you up still- my pocketbook again. I might have to open up my pocketbook, Sean. I was planning, I was planning on going down Yeehaw Junction and going down, you know, 95 there or whatever it is to go to the freaking Boca Bowl again. I was ready for it. And I thought I was we going to have ready. a nice, you know, little, little, nice little cheap, you know, drive down there, whatever. But now it's it's back on the table. A Dallas trip is back on the table. And we were saying, like, we always said, again. we said, we said, yeah, they might, but we said since the beginning of the pod, oh, whatever bowl game they go to, we're going to it. And when we thought Cotton Bowl, we're like, oh, Dallas, that's a trip. That's you know, those are some tickets, man. Um, and then when they lost, we're like, well, bright side is we save a little bit of money bright side but yeah might not be the bright side anymore we like bright side is we might actually get to the game now downside is we're gonna have to spend some money but yeah there's please, a lot please don't to go happen. to boca because please don't go to boca boca sucks please don't make me go down there please <laughs> i'm fine with tampa put me in the gasparilla again i'm down like yeah. but i'll take the cotton bowl i mean let them there me done cotton that bowl. Um, been there done that but no, we'll get off this subject. But I will say, you know, 
I am not going to apologize for the ranking and no UCF fan should because like you said, Nick, we've had years of pain and problems with this college football committee not putting us where we should probably have been ranked, especially in 2017. So we're going to take it now and we're going to run with it. Coastal, I feel bad for the Coastal Carolina fans. I do think they deserve to be ranked. I do think they deserve to be ahead of some of the teams that are there, but you also, if you do look at strengths of the schedule, they have not played a team in the top 25. So I also understand that aspect. But we're not going to apologize. UCF, win and you're in. And who are you playing? Your rival. Which hasn't been much of a rivalry, if we're being honest, the last however many years. It's been all UCF. Last year, close game, 14 to 10. It was a barn burner. I mean, it was tough. It was tough sledding. UCF kind of... Some people say UCF got saved at the end. Others say it was the right call. We're, you know, we're, it's neither here nor there. But this USF team, it, they are a completely different spot than they were a year ago, Nick. And I mean, you're in Tampa. You kind of, you talk about Tampa sports every day on the JP Peterson show. You guys should tune in. We'll link it down below for you guys to check it out because it's interesting. I mean, you start the season, everybody's pretty high on Jeff Scott, but it's one of those things where you have like a finger on the pulse thinking like his job is safe, but you know, you're going to need to start to win some college football games that, you know, you're supposed to win. I mean, you can't just go out and lose to every single opponent on your schedule. That's not in the grand scheme of things in the college football world. Um, losing to Temple was the nail in the coffin, but what do you think? Give your kind of take on, Jeff Scott and kind of his his tenure. I know it's you know piss poor as I like to say, but you know kind of what's been the pulse in Tampa? And I know with this coaching search, but what was the pulse on Jeff Scott? I know people were upset about it. Well, here's the thing: Jeff Scott is a very a very nice guy, and I think that's one of the things that sticks out about him. And he tried to run the program the right way, but when I say nice guy, the feeling is that he was just too nice for the job. If, if that's possible. That was kind of the feeling amongst people. And here's the thing, Jeff Scott, he got the benefit of the doubt with the COVID year. It was just an absolute mess with this program that he took over. The COVID year was, you kind of just throw that out the window. Last year, USF played a lot of games pretty close and you saw some potential. Timmy McLean looked like he was your quarterback for the future when he came in there and that was going to be your guy. But I think you get to that third year and even though the administration showed the confidence in him with Michael Kelly, the AD, giving him a, a contract extension through 2026, I believe. You get to that third year and it's like, okay, we want to see you start winning some games. And <clears throat> this is what did Jeff in is Timmy McLean, I think, was really the heart and soul of that locker room. And he had won the guys over. And he brought in Gary Bohannon from Baylor, who we've talked about on the show before. And, and you know, he had won 10 games there. Uh, you know, Jeff Scott wanted somebody who could win and win now. And so that's kind of what happened. Now, Timmy goes into the portal, he ends up at UCF. So now it's completely the Gary Bohannon show and it didn't work out. It didn't work out. He took a big risk and I, I don't know if the locker room may have loved that move or not. Now they're never going to say that publicly, obviously, but I think Timmy McLean really had that locker room and the move to Gary Bohannon probably changed things there a little bit, but you know, they've had some close losses this year, but again, it got to a point where four and 26, four and 26 in three seasons with one FBS win, one. Uh, and this year where there, you said there was some actual genuine optimism and I was in the front of the line. I mean, I'm guilty. I was talking this team up and thought they were going to be a lot better because I saw some of the skill that was here. Uh, certainly offensively, there is some skill, but the defense never caught up. And I think some of the coaching was from Jeff Scott. It, it clearly looked like he was a little in over his head and it really didn't take long for this season for the buzz for USF to wear off. Honestly, the BYU game week one, I think that's all it took. And, you know, the stadium has been empty all year, which you hate to see. Um, but there are some players on this team who are really good that we're going to get into. But yeah, I think Jeff Scott just ultimately too nice of a guy and you lose to Temple, a team that was really, I mean, I thought Temple, there's no way you can convince me that Temple has more talent than USF. I, I, I refuse to believe it. But for you to lose like that, I mean, there was nothing else Michael Kelly could really do, who also at this point probably has to save his job for down the line as well. And I think that's the thing. And it's great for UCF fans. I mean, because at one point, 
USF was way ahead of the curve. They were way ahead of you. You were playing catch up. And I mean, the Big East is the one that UCF fans all remember, you know, AD of USF made it very clear. She did not want UCF to join the Big East. Um, That got granted. UCF did not get to join. And now it's coming to bite USF in the ass in the way where that program, just record-wise, is at the bottom of the American, below teams like Temple, where, yes, Temple, you could say, arguably, is the worst team in the conference. And to allow that many points, that that was the nail in the coffin for Jeff Scott. And, you know, I've been very critical. I've told you, and we've had conversations off-air, where I said, listen, I, I just don't... I told you before the season, I don't think he makes it past the season. Just the way that this team has run... He sounded like a great guy, and I think USF fans, it's the one thing I will say. Once he got fired, it was everybody on Twitter and USF Twitter was specifically saying, we love you as a person, like you represented the program very well, but you just weren't the man for the job. And ultimately, you got to give the man credit for that. But in this business, it's about wins and losses, and Jeff Scott did not bring a lot of wins. And I think the program is, Nick, the program is already kind of, going downhill before he got here. They were hoping he would put it up back on track. But would you, is it safe to say that he kind of, now we'll get into the coaching search, which has kind of brought a little bit of life back. But would you say Jeff Scott has kind of put more shame on the program than it was before he got there? I think USF is at a worse spot. In my opinion, I think USF is at a worse spot now than they were when he got hired. Well, I I would disagree a little bit. I think he he really got out there in the community and tried to to do his best to get some buzz around the program and doing events and showing his face a lot and, and trying to do those things the right way. He also had a really good vision to know that hey, we need to get this indoor practice facility in here. Like this is it can't be like this anymore. We can't be practicing in a random field on campus. We need to get it indoor, right? And so they were able to get that done. Uh, he had the vision along with Michael Kelly that saying, hey, we need to get an on-campus stadium. You know, it's cool that we play in a stadium that hosts Super Bowls and college football playoff championships. But for our program and where we're at right now, that stadium right now is almost a burden. And I don't think it's really doing a lot. And, you know, just for the for those of you who aren't familiar with the area, the difference in the on-campus stadium, it's about a good 25 minutes, 25, 30 minutes away from campus. Raymond James is from USF's campus. So USF's playing a lot of games at noon. You kind of do just you can kind of see why there's probably a lack of that stadium that uh, that fan base and the students getting over there. It's also a big commuter school, so you're kind of working uphill to begin with. So we had a lot of obstacles in his way, but it looks like rock bottom now because it is in the win column. But I, I do think Jeff Scott did everything you could ask of a head coach except win games. I truly believe that. And I think that's why when he left, everybody kept it strictly to what they saw on the field. And it wasn't about anything that happened off of it. Yeah, I mean, UCF is Tampa's hometown team. So I'm sure they know exactly kind of the stadium, <laughs> the, the where the stadiums are and all that stuff. Um, but no, I think, again, we'll get into it now. But USF, and it, listen, it is USF hate week. So I have I have all the pleasure in the world saying that USF is this bad. But it's, I think, a different vibe, Nick. If we beat Navy, I think I'd be having a different vibe on this show. I'd be, you know, you know, maybe having a beer on the show, kind of just enjoying life. Unfortunately, I can't do that because this is a big, this is a huge game, like huge game. Um, if you would have told me three weeks ago that I'd be stressing out over a USF UCF matchup, I would have laughed in your face, and I probably would have canceled our show. But it's a huge game, and I think it's kind of what we talked about last week with Navy, where I said where a team is most dangerous is when they have nothing to lose. When they have, What do they have to lose? USF is the epitome of that. They are 1 in what, 10, 1 in 11, 1 in 10. Their head coach is gone. They're in an interim head coaching position. Some of these players are playing clearly for whoever's coming in. They're trying to show something on film either to transfer or for whoever the next coach is. And I think that's where it's 
almost good that UCF has to win this game to get into the conference title. Because this, you know, the way this team has played sometimes this year, this if they beat Navy, this is a game that you UCF might have just taken off and just said, oh, we're we're already we're already good. But this is a must win. So how dangerous, and we'll get into the players and stuff and uh, like right now, but how dangerous is this USF team? Now we all we said UCF is clearly more talented, and I know people get annoyed by that, but they are. They're the more talented team. They're the te- most talented team in the American on paper. How dangerous is this USF team? Where a couple weeks ago we're thinking it's a blowout, but coming off of a Navy loss, how dangerous is a USF team at home? Granted, it's pretty much a home game for UCF. Well, I you know I said at the beginning of the year I I, I said this game was not going to be just a layup. Now I didn't expect uh, them to be one in ten. I didn't expect Jeff Scott to not be the head coach, and I certainly didn't expect Byron Brown. Uh, true freshman to be the quarterback, and I truly think that that is the big reason why a USF team is dif- is is dangerous. Because uh, last week against Tulsa, and granted it is Tulsa, but first start, true freshman, Gary Bohannon injured, Travis Marsh gets injured, we're throwing you into the fire, kid. Daniel Del Prado, the interim head coach. I mean, it all just looks like it's a mess, right? And he goes out there. I think he completed his first eighteen or nineteen passes in the game. Uh, and he ends up 21 to 25, and he showed he had 76 yards on the ground as well. They put up 42 points offensively. Uh, I mean, and just in general, USF, their offense is not the problem. It is their defense, but, mm-hmm. you know, their offense can really score, and Byron Brown showed a lot. And here's the thing. He's also auditioning, as you said, for the next head coach. This is basically what this is. And, you know, Will Turner from from 247 Bulls, who you know, uh, he has great coverage. You know, we had him on our show uh, before Byron start, and I asked him about him, and he said, you know, he's the only guy, and he covers a lot of recruiting, Will does, he's the only guy that I've gone back to look at, you know, two times extra and stayed, and I got in my, and got in my car and went to this town, Rollsville, North Carolina, is where Byron Brown is. So he, he saw a lot of him to begin with, so he makes this team very dangerous, having nothing to play, with, uh, play, uh, to play for, and you have nothing to lose. And this is the last war on four, war on I four in the in the American Conference. It's the last one in the foreseeable future, uh, which is garbage to begin with, but it is what it is. And mm-hmm. you know, you look at the all time record between these two teams. They've played thirteen times. UCF's got seven wins. USF's got six. This is a chance to tie it up before we play again somewhere in the near future. So there are some things here, uh, some factors, and of course, it's a chance to knock your rival out of everything. Knock them out of the conference championship game, knock them out of the Cotton Bowl, all these things. So uh, I'm not taking the USF Bulls lightly by any means. I'm not saying that as a Tampa person. I'm just saying that I've everything I just laid out I think is valid reasons for this. No, and that's again, I have been the biggest critique of the USF Bulls. I have told you that you're crazy sometimes, and I've been proven right 95% of the time. I, I've been completely right this entire season. But I agree with you this week. I agree with you. I like this is too big of a game to just assume we're better, we're superior, we're ranked. Cuz guess what? That hurt you last week. You came in, we're ranked. We're the big boys. We have to just win out and we're in the conference title, Cotton Bowl, and look what happened. You put up 14 points. Defense hasn't been our problem. I mean, again, defense played great. I don't think, and and I will say, I <laughs> I haven't watched too many USF uh, football games, but I don't blame you. Will no, um, Will Turner, who you just mentioned. I mean, listening to him talk about this kid, I said, you know what? I'll tune in to the Tulsa game. I'll tune in because I want like we're playing them soon. I want to see this kid play. And if you are a UCF fan, I am assuming that 95 to 99% of you have not watched him play, did not watch the Tulsa game, and just assume we're going to wipe the floor with USF, which is fine. You can go into the game like that. I watched him, and I'll say this. For a true freshman quarterback, in his first ever start, he is very specific about what plays he makes. I will say, he doesn't throw the ball all over the field, right? He is very careful. And honestly, if you're a USF Bulls fan, that's all you need. Don't turn the ball over. Be consistent. Don't try to be the hero. 
And at the end of the day, you're giving your team a chance to win. That's what he did against Tulsa. I mean, I watched him, and I think, yeah, it was like 18, 19, 20 complete, like straight completions. He like beat the college football record this season. He would, even if they were short passes, quick slant passes, dump downs, it's still most true freshman quarterback try to go out there and win you the game. They try to make the deep throws. They try to go crazy. He was very consistent. I think that's dangerous for a UCF team. If he goes out and he just stays consistent, you can get yards. That won't be the problem. You can get yards on this UCF team. Now, can you score in the red zone? That's a question. And they have a guy, Brian Batie, who, again, we we UCF has played the best running backs in the conference. I would say he is, if not first, a top three running back in this conference, Nick. And if I'm the UCF defense, you just went from playing a Navy team who rushed the football really hard to Batie, who is like a battering ram, and he's quick as well. He, he's kind of that dual threat at running back. So kind of talk about him and what problems he can present for the UCF defense. Yeah, he's he's very electric in space. I mean, a good comp for him, if you're a UCF fan, is think Johnny Richardson. He has that kind of same stature, like 5'8", 165, so he's not really a big dude. But, man, does he run hard. And, and again, he's another guy that – you know, we got we had him on our show like right after the Florida game where he, he had one of his best games of the season. And again, just a tremendous, a tremendous young man with a bright future. And he, he's rushed for over a thousand yards on this USF team, a one win team to rush over for a thousand yards. He's among the leaders in the conference, in the country, all those things. Uh, he's just very good in space, like I said. And uh, that's the thing. You talked about Byron Brown. The, he was about hit the performance that he had the other night. Well, when Brian Petit runs for 170 yards against Tulsa and on like 19 carries or whatever it was. I mean, that's going to make anybody look good, right? So, you know, and we saw UCF last week. Granted, they knew that they were going to run every single play in Navy, but just getting chunks and chunks and chunks and chunks, and UCF really had no answer for it for times throughout that game, right? So if you're probably going to – if you're looking for an X factor in this USF offense – it's 100% Brian Batie, uh, Batie. And in a game like this where Byron Brown, this is a big step up in competition from Tulsa to UCF, I would expect that you're going to get a heavy dose of Brian Batie in this game. Yeah, and I, I think he has been the bright spot of the entire team all season. I mean, he's like, he's the guy that you know you have him going into next year. He's like your cornerstone piece right now. Everything else is kind of up in the air. And we said Byron Brown, right? Like, he's kind of playing for, like, as crazy as it is to say, because he's only played one game. And again, we've always said you can't get too high after one game. Great performance, but you know he had a lot of help in the running game and not making mistakes. If you go into next season and you, you kind of just showed, you know, say you go beat a UCF, you know, in your final game, and Gary Bohannon comes back, and you're having to choose between Gary Bohannon and Byron Brown. I mean, that's what that kid's probably playing for. And you're like you said, they have more. We have way more to lose, and that's just we have everything to lose, and they have everything to gain. Yep, and and, and some of the other guys I'll talk about real quick uh, the weapons, and this is a big factor in this game is Xavier Weaver, their leading receiver, who again is is really underrated. I think he did not play against Tulsa, so his status is kind of up in the air, and that's really big. Now they did get a big contribution from Sean Atkins, so Sean Atkins really has not played that much this year. Their receiver, uh, he's a freshman, I believe. And he had 115 yeah. yards against Tulsa, and he's only got 240 on the season. So that just shows you right there how little he's really featured in this offense. But without Xavier Weaver, he got more of a chance against Tulsa and lit it up. So he's somebody you got to watch for. Uh, Jimmy Horn Jr. is another guy I'm sure you've heard of that's really good. So like I said, the problem with USF is hardly on offense. It is on defense, and that's my thing in this game. I think – now, UCF's defense is obviously, again, a big step up from Tulsa's defense. I think USF at their best can score with UCF or keep pace. I don't think USF's defense, though, has it in them at all, at all to stop UCF. And I mean basically on the ground. That's where, to me, the biggest matchup difference in this game is going to be the US, the UCF offensive line against the defensive line of USF. Uh, whoever comes in as the next head coach for USF probably needs to recruit 10 or 12 defensive linemen. Just get them from all over the place if you can and just see if you can hit on four of them because that's one of the weakest units, I think, in the entire country, and I think that's where the game's ultimately going to be won and lost. 
Yeah, we're just about to get into it. Obviously, um, Jimmy Horn, I hope he transfers because I think that'd be a great landing spot uh, to come to UCF next year. In case O'Keefe leaves, I think that'd be a perfect guy to replace O'Keefe. Um, but no, I think you you hit it spot on. I mean, the running game, you listen, you didn't do it much against Navy. So it's the perfect week to kind of get back to what you know uh, and kind of just pummel them. Because, yeah, USF has not been able to stop the run all season. Um, it's been pitiful on defense. And listen, it, it's no secret JRP is going to be your starter. We we figured that as much. I mean, Mikey, you're probably not going to see for the rest of the year because uh, he's he's a goner. This might be your last game that you see Mikey Keene on the sideline. He's going to probably transfer before the December 5th transfer window kind of opens up. but. You're going to see a big dose of RJ Harvey. I think this is a big game for RJ because, again, you talked about the D line for USF with RJ Harvey's, you know, change of direction, speed, and getting the extra yards. I think he is going to be a huge problem. I think you're going to still see Isaiah Bowser, Johnny Richardson because, again, getting to the outside is also a problem for USF. I mean, I think Johnny Richardson could have a big game, um, which he hasn't really had this season, but. Uh, JRP, what Nick, again, he gets benched. We had our, we said our piece, right? We said we didn't really buy it because if his shoulder was hurting that much, you should have just sat him and you shouldn't have played him, right? Gus says, nope, JRP's your starter and you're playing a team that cannot stop the run. Do you think he has kind of a, a, a huge game after a subpar performance last week? to get back on track against a really subpar uh, USF defense? Yeah, this is one game where, and I'm not just saying this because the offense didn't really do much with Mikey in there either, but I think the wake-up call for me was the Tulane game. Is We were all like, oh, they can't go away from Mikey. They can't go away from Mikey. Well, we learned that Tulane struggles against the run. And JRP, the way the offense looked, the dynamic of it, it just worked. So you got to tip your hat to Gus Malzahn on this one. And because of this matchup, I, I 100% agree that JRP should be the guy going into this game because of the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we'll see if his shoulder's there, but honestly, I, I truly think UCF's going to run this ball like 40 to 45 times. I'm maybe really expecting that. So <clears throat> maybe even more. And I think JRP is going to be a big part of that. Just USF, just I'm. I've watched a lot of their games this year, and they, they just don't have the athletes uh, on that side of the ball. They really don't. And they, I mean, UCF could probably play Mikey Keene, and they would be fine also scoring points on this defense. But uh, if you really want to give yourself the best chance and, and get to the point where you want to have some comfort, I think JRP uh, is the right choice for this one. Yeah, and I, I do think, again, we're going to get into our predictions in a second, but I think, again, you have to assume, regardless of the athletes that USF has on the roster, just assume that they're going to have their best game on Saturday. You have to assume that that defensive line is going to have their best game against you, and you need to treat them like they are playing for a conference championship. Because that's ultimately what you are playing for. If you go in there and assume you're playing a 1-10 football team, and you just go in there and act like you're going to run all over them regardless, you're going to lose. And then we'll come on this podcast and you go from last week being the most disappointing loss to this week being the most disappointing loss. And I think that would change the program's view a little bit. Losing to your rival in the last week of the season to go to the conference championship, losing and having USF basically have bragging rights until the next time you play them. Like Florida hates that we beat them because we have bragging rights until we play them again. And Florida fans have hated that for a year now. If USF beats US UCF, let me tell you. I mean, the constant Twitter battle, it, How? what are we going to say? We're in a Power 5 conference? Yeah, we get the upper hand, but they just beat you. They just stopped you from a conference title and a potential New Year's Six bowl game. So, I don't know. It's um, It's huge. Before we get into our predictions, really quickly, I wanted to say this. I don't think it's going to happen, Nick. So, I will start by that. The Deion Sanders to USF situation. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's all smoke. I don't think he's going to USF. But what I will say, and here is my one, it's USF hate week. I've said that like five times. It's USF hate week. If Deion Sanders gets hired to USF, 
that would be the worst thing for UCF. I can't remember. That that's probably the worst thing that could happen to UCF at this point. Cuz there are a lot of kids, you know, four-star kids that would maybe say, "Yeah, like I mean, let's be real. Travis Hunter went to Jackson State over Florida State. If he could do that to Travis Hunter, he could do that to a lot of kids to go to the American Athletic Conference. Where if Deion Sanders is your coach, I think you wipe the floor with the American every single year with how it is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think I said this on the show this week when we were talking about it. To me, it, it's a danger not only to UCF, but the entire state of Florida. And there's some really good head coaches in here that have done a lot in their careers. When you think of Gus Malzahn, you think of Mario Cristobal, you think about Mike Norvell, you think about Billy Napier, all these great head coaches. I truly believe wherever Deion Sanders goes, and if he goes to USF, it, it sounds crazy to think about. I think he becomes he he becomes the top guy. I really do. And I, I'm just so impressed with how he's taken – to college football in a short amount of time to go to a program like Jackson state and to win games like he has to go undefeated. And you mentioned it taking Travis Hunter, but a couple other kids that were in the top 100 as well, that he, that he poached away. Uh, he can take, I think, and again, if you're a, if you're a recruit, I'm sorry, but if Deion Sanders is on the other line, I'm at least going to I'm at least going to sit down with the guy. Come on now. I mean, of course you are. I think if USF is really serious about it, setting themselves up for the next, the next go of realignment, this would put USF at the top of the line. Right now, I think they have fallen a little bit in the pecking order. They would immediately be number one for realignment if Deion Sanders goes there, and they would start winning, and it would be quickly. So I do kind of see that, but will it happen? Uh, I can't for the life of me see it. Now, there were all those, there was all those little peripheral reports that USF, there was interest with John Gruden, uh, they met with John Gruden kind of on the outside. There are a lot of negatives there. Obviously, I don't see any negatives with Deion Sanders. In my opinion, if whatever you're going to give to John Gruden, just times it by two and see if you can get Deion there if you're really serious about it for USF's sake. But ultimately, I probably don't think it's going to happen. It, it just seems like too much of a pipe dream for me. Uh, I think Colorado also is a, a pipe dream as well. I think I'd rather go to USF than Colorado if I'm oh, being 100%. honest with you. But I think 100%. I think Dion either I think Dion it's more likely he's going to get that Ole Miss job if if Lane Kiffin leaves Ole Miss and goes to Auburn I think that's a good fit for him or he might just wait another year and see if another big job comes open in the following year I think that's more likely for him yeah that's that's why I was kind of confused when it, the report was USF and Colorado Colorado State because I'm like he was in line to get a Power Five job so why would he take a lesser look at kind job. of the power five jobs that are available. Look at the ones that are available. I think Auburn, I would not. I, I don't think Auburn's a fit. And Auburn, the boosters there is a train wreck. I don't think Dion wants to play that game. Uh, I don't know who wants to play that game, to be honest. I guess uh, that's true. I think Ole Miss is actually a, a, a little bit of a better alternative. It's a bit more loose there. Uh, right. Lane Kiffin has showed you can win 9, 10, 11 games there, and it's okay. Uh, I don't, Wisconsin's not a good fit. And I think they're going to hire their DC anyway. They're in head coach, Jim Leonard. That's not a fit. I don't think Colorado's a fit. I don't see Arizona state as a fit. I think the best fit of all the schools that are available right now is probably Georgia tech because that's where he played pro football. Uh, it's close to Tallahassee where he played college. You're right there on the Florida. You're close to Florida. So you have a big recruiting plate uh, base in Georgia, Florida, the South. I think that, to me, is is the best fit for Deion Sanders is probably Georgia Tech. And I think he can make noise there as well. Yeah, and you're in a, a winnable conference. I mean, that's a conference. Like, if you really look at conferences and SEC and, you know, the American, like, he could go to a Power 5 conference and win right away. I mean, transfer portal alone, you would get every top transfer that you wanted to come. So, no, I will say that. And USF fans, you better hope and pray at night that he does come. Because if he does, yeah, I agree. The rest of the state and really the college football world, I don't think people are ready for when Dion takes a head coaching job. Because when he does, I mean, you're going to see a bunch of recruits just go there and it, it'll be decided. Um, the question is, will he be able to perform on a coaching level? I think that's the only question, though. Will his, Are his teams going to go up to par with the top teams in college football? But that's really the only thing. I think recruiting is the reason you hire him and just the the mantra that is Deion Sanders. But 
that is the one good thing we will say about USF, which isn't even a good thing to say. It's more so Dion. And if he goes to you, then yeah, good on you guys. But let's get into our USF hate week predictions, shall we? All right. So me and you are going to be at the game. We will be at Raymond James in pretty much bounce house uh, home number two. Uh, I'm assuming a huge crowd for UCF this Saturday night game. So you're going to see the, uh, it'll be interesting. I think the atmosphere will be because usually the games at Raymond James are during the day. They're usually at like one o'clock, three o'clock. Um, but kind of the bet online spread is 20 points. UCF is favored by 20. Um, give your kind of take on the game. And then I will, uh, I'll give you how I kind of view this game, but go ahead and give your predictions. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of taking the points because I uh, I had 45-24 was my prediction here. Uh, I think USF can score on a lot of teams. I don't think they'll be able to pass 30 or get close to 40 like they did against Tulsa against this UCF defense. I, I just don't see it happening. I think they're going to get a little bit of an uplift, though. Probably early on, they're going to be amped up to play because this is a rivalry game and it's the last one for a while. But this is the 128th ranked rushing defense out of 131 teams, okay? And I said earlier that I think UCF is going to run for 40, 45. They might run for more, and I think they're going to do that. They're going to wear out USF. They're going to test their depth a little bit, and I think they're going to eventually just start pouring it on to them. So 45, 24, UCF I got. It's a good prediction, Nick. I'm, do you remember the FAU game from very early I on do remember game? that game. Yep. You lose to Louisville, really poor performance, 20 to 14, and you're going on the road down, you know, to FAU. And it just felt like, you know, the offense needed to put up a good performance. And I'm going to be honest. Now, I'll be honest. Do you think now this might be disrespectful, but this is USF hate week, like we have said. Uh, Is FAU or USF better? I would say FAU probably FAU. Okay. Probably. So UCF beat FAU 40 to 14. All right. Do I think USF's going to only put up 14? No, I'm going to say 21, but I'm going to go exactly the same score on offense that we did in FAU. I say 40 to 21. I think it is a first half again, where we were so used to UCF kind of in the first half, Trade and blows. I think it's like, I don't know. I don't think we score that. All right. You know, I'll say 21 to 10 at the half. I think that's a solid thought process. Um, no, I can't say 21 to 10 because to get to 21, that wouldn't work out very well. Um, we'll say 21 14. I'll say they put up two touchdowns in the first half. But I think this is the get right week that you need before you, if you win, you go to. I can't stress how big this game is. This game is so huge. All you have to do is beat a team that has won one game. And I get, this is their biggest game of their last five years. They can they can end your reign. They can say, go to the Big 12. We'll see you if we ever see you again uh, in a Power 5 conference. But this is so huge for UCF. And I think the players know that. And I think, listen, there is a little bit of hatred. A little, a lot. These players don't like each other. The disrespect is kind of shown on both sides. Um, there was a story. Did you see the Josh Seliscar, um story? I don't even know if you did. Did you? I did not, no. No. So basically, and it, this kind of just shows you kind of how close, you know, these players know each other. It's very, it's sure. a rivalry. Josh Seliscar. He was an 83 three-star coming out of high school. And I guess his first camp was USF. And I think he's from the area or he's around that area. And he felt disrespected by the USF coaches and basically said that they didn't think that he was worth it or they didn't, you know, it was one of those situations where he just felt very disrespected um, by the Bulls. Not saying he was going to go there, but the vibe that he got was that they didn't view him as a top player or a player that they should go after. And, um, he's kind of carried that through his tenure at UCF. And I think we could talk for hours about that has plagued USF, but these players don't like each other and these fan bases hate each other. And I think 
There's been a lot of history, but this is so huge for UCF. And if you lose this game, which they won't, but if you lose this game, I think it changes the outlook of your program. And you can look at Gus Malzahn a certain way if you lose this. If you go to the conference championship and lose, nobody's going to look at you, you differently. You got to the championship. You lose to your rival in the final time you're playing, uh, and they're 1-10, in 10, the worst USF has ever been. I think uh, that is a, a program-altering look um, right before you go to a Power 5 conference. Nick, give your final thoughts. Again, we'll be at the game. I'm excited. It's been a while since I've been to Tampa. Um hopefully get to see a UCF win uh, and on their way to the conference title game, which if we go to the conference title, I don't know. We didn't make the, if it's new Orleans, if it's Cincy, I'm not going to Cincy. If it's new Orleans or I'm away, we are both doing something, which you will see. Damn, that stinks. But um, off topic, um, give your final thoughts on the game and uh, kind of just what you're hoping to see out of this UCF Knights team on Saturday. Yeah, like you, I'm excited to be there uh, at Raymond James and to, to host you, obviously, and get you out of Midlando a little bit. Uh, so that'll be good. Uh, <laughs> I know you love that nickname. Midlando. I know you love that nickname for that town. It's catchy, it's but great. it's not true. But yeah, but it's catchy. I, but yeah, you, but, <laughs> but you got everything, like I said, you got everything in front of you here still remarkably. Uh, shout out to the College Football Playoff Committee for that, as we said. And if you if UCF is a, is a, is about it, you go to you go ahead and take care of business. It's it's that simple. We've been saying this is a good UCF, a good UCF team, not a great one. But if, if you're even a good one, I'd argue you go take care of business, get it done, and, and then keep moving up from there. And I will say this: you are good right now, but you have a chance to be great. You have a chance to be one of the great teams. If you went out, I mean. It, you will be talked about for the rest of the, the rest of the time. I mean, look at all of the previous New Year's Six Bowl teams. I mean, we can't shut up about them still. So win and you're in. That's all we have to say. All right, guys. I, we didn't even say happy Thanksgiving. It's Friday. It, yeah, Thanksgiving was yesterday. So I hope you all enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Sorry, it's it's USF Hate Week. We don't we're past the holiday, man. Black Friday, Black Friday edition. Um, wow. We are just ready for the game. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into Charge On. Huge game. Hopefully we guys see you there. If you see us and you you watch us, we'd love to say hi. Uh, it's, and there are not going to be that many people there for USF. So it might be hard to spot us in a crowd of UCF fans. But um, be sure to just enjoy yourselves at the game. And hopefully, definitely get a UCF dub to head to the conference title game. This has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.